Riggs. Okay, who takes the helmet? Who takes the weapons? Arbron asked. I have four days of seniority over you. I said coolly. I take the helm. I could see that he wanted to argue. He wanted to fly the fighter, of course. But there was no chance I was going to miss out on flying my first combat mission. No chance. And I did have seniority. Okay. Arbon said coldly. You fly it. I'll shoot. Not that we'll be doing any shooting. The inside of a fighter is not exactly roomy. This was an older model, built for two, but it was still not exactly big. Figures they'd give us an old piece of junk Model 14 to fly, I said, staring at the controls as if I'd never seen them before. What did you expect them to give us? A brand new Model 22? For a second, I forgot that this was my first official combat command. I shot a glance at Arbron, and the two of us almost burst out laughing. This is great, I said. I just wish it was yours, not some old script now, Arbon said. I closed my main eyes, leaving only my stock eyes open. I wanted to focus. I had been trained on fighters, of course. I was pretty good as a pilot. But still, I was going to be flying alongside Prince Briar in his personal squadron. Everyone in the squadron was a great fighter pilot, and Briar could just about fly a fighter through a black hole and back out again. I deeply did not want anything to go wrong. The thought of how humiliated I'd be if I'd missed a turn or something was too awful to think about. Power up! I told the ship's systems. Prepare for launch. You could feel the old fighter come alive. The monitors glowed. The floor hummed and vibrated up through my legs. I touched a screen with my fingers and the viewport became transparent. We could see directly out now, through an actual window, not just a screen. Of course, we were still in the fighter bay inside the dome ship, so there wasn't anything to see. Automatic launch sequence begins in 10 seconds. The prince called. Simultaneous drop. Go to burn on my mark. Acceleration standard. Weapons powered, Arbron told me. Five seconds to launch, the computer said. Please don't let me screw this up, I prayed. I thought I'd said it silently, till I noticed Arbron nodding in agreement. Two seconds, the computer prompted. Hold on. I said. Whoosh! We were blown out of the hatch, out into black space. Ahead of us, four other fighters, all Model 22s, dropped from the bottom of the dome ship's fighter bay. Intercept team, go to burn! The prince said with total calm. Two of the fighters lit up their engines. With a brilliant blue glow, the two fighters flashed out of sight into the black of space. I waited with my fingers just millimeters above the engine control pad. I was not going to miss my cue. Chase team, go to burn, the prince said. I punched the control pad, and it was like we had been kicked in the back. Shwoof! We were out of there. 
out of there. Unfortunately, we had taken off so fast, we'd shot right past the prince's own fighter. Ah! Oh no, no! I ordered the computer to match velocity with the other fighters, something I should have done to start with. Hello, Alfangor. Hello. You forgot. These old Model 14s accelerate faster from a cold start. Arvon pointed out. The next thing I heard in my mind was the prince. You may want to ease back a little, Eris Alfangor, he said. I was relieved he didn't reprimand me, but I was burning with embarrassment. There it was, my big chance to look like a veteran, and I'd looked like an amateur. I maneuvered my fighter back into formation behind the other two chase fighters. Arbron brought the Skritna radar up on the holographic imager. It was very different than any Andalite ship. Our fighters were elongated ovals with two long cylindrical engines attached by stubby wings on either side. Our main weapon, or shredder, arced overhead much like an Andalite tail. The Skritna ship was round with tapered sides. It looked like a fat disc. You could hardly even see where the engines were. And the Skritna had blinking colored lights all around it. I guess they find that attractive or something. Intercept in place, came the report from the two intercept ships. They had gone into a dangerous maximum burn to get well out in front of the Skritna and cut off escape. Now we just had to sneak up calmly behind them. Then... What the? Sir, there is a second Skritna ship out here. It was hidden from sensors by the rings of the planet. Repeat, there is a second Skritna raider. Prince Briar wrapped his orders. Okay, you two on intercept, go after the new target. Everyone else, with me. I looked at Arbron. We both nodded. It was getting more complicated now. We could actually have a fight. Suddenly, a bright blue engine flame shot from the bottom of the nearer Skritna. He's running, the prince said. He sounded calm, but you could still tell he was excited. There isn't a fighter pilot alive who doesn't enjoy a good chase. The Skritna ship hauled, and we hauled after him. Then, to my total shock, the Skritna fired his weapons. Hey, look out! Arbron yelled. A thin beam of greenish light lanced toward the prince's fighter. It missed. Wow! The prince laughed. That woke me up. Return fire, but only if you can hit the engine pod underneath. Repeat, aim only for the engines. There may be innocent creatures on that ship. A split second later, the prince fired and missed. His wingman fired and also missed. It hadn't even occurred to me that Arbon would actually want to take the risk of shooting. But then he said, So, Alfangor, how about if we just see how fast this old tub will accelerate? I didn't need to be asked twice. I punched up maximum burn, and we went one-tenth light speed in about three seconds. Yeah! Wham! Yeah! Wham! The acceleration was outrageous. The compensators were slow, and we were thrown back against the bulkhead. I fought to get back on my feet, and to the controls. 
I renewed my ThoughtSpeak link to the computer. Boost the compensators. The computer adjusted and we climbed painfully to our feet. Arun reached his weapon station and took aim. I heard the hum of the shredder powering up, followed quickly by the sound of firing. Yes, yes, yes! Arbron yelled. The shredder beam sliced through space and burned away a section of the Skritnaut engines. The blue engine flame died instantly. It was the most beautiful thing I'd seen up to that point in my life. But at the same time, I felt a wave of jealousy that Arbron had taken the shot and not me. Good job, Prince Briar said. Nice flying. Nice shooting. Of course, he only complimented us because we were Earths. I mean, for the regular pilots, it would have been no big deal. But who cared? Prince Briar had said we did a good job. He said good job, Arbron said to me. He did actually say it, right? I wasn't imagining things? The prince said good job, I confirmed, relishing the words. At that moment, I just loved being alive. I even loved Arbron, as annoying as he was sometimes. This was why I joined the military. This was why I'd become an Arth's. This was what it was all about. All right, my little Arth's, the prince said affectionately. Now that you've given us all a lesson in good shooting, show us how you board an enemy ship. Don't forget to download their onboard computer. Is either one of you qualified for exodatology? Arth's Arbon is a very qualified exodatologist, I said truthfully. Arbron gave me a dirty look. Well, you are, Arbron, I said defensively. See, it's kind of a slight insult to say an Earth's is good with computers. That's like a technician thing, not a warrior thing. Even though warriors are supposed to be good at all kinds of science and art, as well as fighting. Good, the prince said. And hey, don't bang your stocks on the low ceiling over there. Yes, sir, I replied. No problem. I was on top of the universe. I was a hero in waiting. Practically a prince already. The war with the Yurks would be over just as soon as I could get in the game. I was a fool. Chapter 4 I guess most people know about the Skrit Na. But in case you don't, I'll tell you what I know. The Skrit Na don't care what anyone else in the galaxy thinks about them. They don't belong to the Yurk Empire. They aren't one of our allies. They don't care about laws or customs or anything. All the Skrit Na care about is collecting things and owning things. The Skrit Na are unusual in another way. They are actually like two different races. The Skrit look like huge insects, almost as large as an andalite. They have 14 legs and 6 sets of antennae, and aren't really very intelligent. But the Skrit each eventually weave a cocoon, and a year later, out of the dead Skrit, there pops a gnaw. The gnaw are a whole different story. 
The Na have four very slender legs. Sometimes they rear up and walk on just two legs, using the other legs as hands. They have large heads shaped like andalite heads, only they have just two huge eyes. Skrit Na are constantly going to peaceful planets and kidnapping the local species. Sometimes they perform medical experiments on them. Sometimes they just fly around with them and then let them go. But often they carry local creatures away to add them to zoos on the Skrit Na homeworld. Like I said, a weird species. No one understands the Skrit Na. Personally, I don't think they understand themselves. I pulled our fighter up alongside the damaged Skrit Na ship and turned on the tractor beam to hold the two ships tightly together. The Skrit Na decided to make it easy. I guess they figured they'd made us mad enough. Skrit Na are no match for Andalite power. I married my hatch to the Skrit Na hatch and popped it open. I equalized gravities and marched as boldly as I could into the captured ship with Arbron just behind me. There was smoke in the other ship, and there seemed to be storage boxes strewn here and there. Two clumsy skrit lumbered past, kicking through the debris. The ceiling pressed low, and I had to duck my head or risk bruising my eye stalks. A pair of cocoon skrit were more or less glued to a corner of the ceiling. One looked about ready to hatch a gnaw. There were three gnaw that I could see. The Na captain was pressed back against his command console. He looked scared. But not of me. He was glaring angrily at a bizarre creature that had a Skrit Na hand weapon, a modified Yurk Dracon beam, pointed at the Na captain. The bizarre creature stood just a bit shorter than me. And what was incredible was that it stood on just two legs. Just two. It had arms, but you could see that it didn't use them to walk they wouldn't have been long enough. The creature's face was the same size as mine, but rounder. There were two small bluish eyes on the front of its face, and the lower third of the face was split open horizontally. Many species have such openings. They're called mouths. Its body had no fur, but did have brightly colored skin that seemed to hang loosely in some areas. Its upper body was covered in loose, almost billowy, white skin, with tiny pastel patterns. Its two legs were covered in a rough-textured blue skin that stopped suddenly at its hooves. The hooves were white and adorned with what looked like thick threads or cables laced together. But what caught my eye was the hair that sprouted from its head. It was long and wavy and as gold as a yellow sun. Freeze, horse boy, this bizarre creature said making the sound with its mouth. It turned the Dracon beam on me. One move and I pull the trigger. I don't know what this gun will do, but I'm willing to bet you won't like it. Of course, at that point, all I heard was gibberish sounds. The translator chip, which all members of the Andalite military have implanted in their heads, requires a few minutes to begin to understand new languages. Some languages it never does get right. Fortunately, Almost all species can understand our thought-speak, since it works at a level beyond mere words. Be careful, Andalite friend, the Na captain said. They are savage, violent beings, 
crazy. Wild. Oh, yes. This female is a vicious beast. Better to kill her. Or even better, let us cage her again. Yes, yes. That would be best. As soon as you mistakenly fired on us, she sprang up and grabbed my weapon. Wild and dangerous. Oh, yes. The translator Chip handled the Na language easily. I didn't bother to answer the Na. Everyone knows Skrit Na will lie to anyone about anything. The Na captain winked one of his big eyes at me, as if he and I were on the same side. His fellow Na officers all looked scared. The Skrit went on with their simple duties like nothing was happening. To be honest with you, I didn't know what to do. I was as confused as the Skrit Na. The only one who seemed to have a clue was the bizarre two-legged creature herself. Talk to her, Arbon suggested. Use your charm, Alfangor. Um, whoever you are, whatever you are, don't fire that weapon. Put it down. Yeah, right. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I can hear you in my head, but you're not really talking. Suddenly, the translator Chip had heard enough. It began providing instantaneous translation. I could understand her. I am in charge here. I said firmly, Drop the weapon. Uh-uh. Nope. I don't think so, horse boy. I'm tired of being kidnapped and dragged off by giant cockroaches and little green men from Mars. Excuse me, but we're here to rescue you, Arbon said. Exactly. What these Skritna have done to you is wrong. That's why we captured the ship. I spoke like I would to a child. Obviously, this species was primitive. They didn't even have tails. What little green men? Orbon asked. They aren't green. The Na are gray. The female narrowed her already narrow eyes. The dracon beam in her hand wavered. I'd already captured this ship before you two came along. Me and the other guy. And we're both just kids, which shows you that these Martian jerks aren't all that tough. He's in the back, knocked out. The other guy, I mean. But I grabbed this gun away from Twinkie there. She jerked her head in the direction of the Naw Captain. The translator Chip had no translation for the word Twinkie. Evidently, Twinkie was some kind of word for alien. Well, we don't mean you any harm. I said as calmly as I could. How about this idea? You can keep the Dracon beam, just don't point it at anyone. The female looked at the weapon. It's called a Dracon beam, huh? What's it do? Arbron answered before I could suggest he shut up. It fires an energy beam which causes an exceedingly painful death, which is why we'd really prefer if you didn't fire it. Oh, a phaser. Like on that old Star Trek show. I can't believe they took that off the air. Now it's just on reruns. I had nothing to say to that, because I had no idea what she was talking about. I looked to Arbron. He shook his head. No, he didn't understand either. Translator chips have limits. If you come with us, we'll treat you well, and we will return you to your home planet. Earth? Is that the name of the third planet in this system? Yeah. 
And you are an Earther? Human. That's what we are. Humans. Me and the other guy. And we are Andalites. My name is Althangor. This is Arbron. Arbron had gone over to the nearest Skrit Na control panel. He was downloading a copy of all their computer files, as Prince Briar had ordered. It's standard procedure whenever you board an alien craft. You look like centaurs, only with scorpion tails, and the extra eyeballs on top of your heads. She seemed to hesitate. Suddenly, she turned the Dracon beam around and handed it to me, handle first. Thank you, I said. I reached to take the Dracon beam from her, and my fingers brushed hers. For some reason, I looked at her golden hair. My name is Lauren, she said. This is all kinds of amazing. Most humans don't even believe in aliens. But, well, here you are. Real and all. Unless I'm dreaming. Do humans dream? I asked her, surprised. I do. Every night. So do I. But I guess we have very different dreams. Then, Lauren smiled. It's a thing humans do by turning the corners of their mouths upward. Maybe, she said. Maybe not. Hello, Phantomorphs. And thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thanks for listening. We're still trying to, we're still kind of getting through the, uh, the setup here of the book, so it's not super exciting, but we'll get there. I don't really have any, uh, special announcements this week, so, you know, just the general stuff. If you're using Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review. I would appreciate that. And, uh, be sure to check out theapodclips.com. That's the apodclips. It's like apocalypse, but with a D right in there. Uh, that's my website that I pay money for. So please check that out. Uh, if you'd like to reach me, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. That's all I got. Uh, I am actually recording this part before I finish editing, so I'm going to get right back to it because I'm running a little late today. Um, but I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>